Namashwaya. This is Aishwarya Mohan. Uh, our topic is Pagans and Heathens, Man's Association with Nature and Its Impacts. Um, so this is the outline of our presentation. Okay. So this is an attempt to understand man's association with nature from most ancient times. So one of the striking aspects about the pagan gods and goddesses from around the world is its extraordinary connection with nature. Ancient Egyptians, Indians, Greeks, Romans, and Chinese were worshippers of Mother Nature. Pagans had deities of the fields, fertility deities, lunar deities, etc. For instance, Egyptians worshipped cats, crocodiles, serpents, dogs, etc. Many gods and festivals of pagans are associated with nature, nature worship. Summer solstice has long been a time when different cultures celebrated lengthening year. So let us have a look at the belief systems and practices of various sects around the globe. So Elignat was a lunar deity, the god of both weather and moon. He controls tides. He used to control tides and presides both, presides both uh, earthquakes and eclipses. Mitra, another pagan god of sun who was born around the time of winter solstice. Saturn was the Roman god of sea. In December, they used to have a week-long celebration called Saturnalia in honor of their agricultural god, Saturn. In this picture, you can see the remains of Saturn temple at Rome. Pan, the Greek god of nature. So coming to India, Prithi, we, um, actually the indigenous people, they worshipped everything. They, they treated everything in nature as a divine entity or a, an expression of divinity. So, the Varuna was the god of, god, god of water. So, uh, they lived in tandem with nature, with respecting and loving everything. So, I'm reminded of a quote of Gandhiji. I bow my head in reverence to our ancestors for their sense of the beautiful in nature and for their foresight in investing beautiful manifestations of nature with a religious significance. So my co-presenter Suraj Rajendran will take over from here.
those things. If this was the case around the globe, then what is the factor which made a change in man's attitude towards worshipping nature or reverence towards nature? That is what I'm looking into. And for that, let me just uh, share this view of Genesis on nature. This is a Genesis quote from chapter 1, verse number 28, which says, be fruitful and multiply be fruitful and multiply multiply and fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and even the creature that crawls upon the earth this reminds me of a thought which seems to have gifted man a free hand to dominate and subjugate over the plants and the animal kingdom uh, Genesis further says, Behold, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the face of all the earth and even trees whose fruit contains seed. They will, they will be yours for food. It goes on to add, And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and every creature that crawls upon the earth, everything that has the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. This seems to have this idea, idea of domination, which was laid down by Genesis, had shown the change in man's reverential attitude towards nature to, to a more destructive attitude towards nature. Uh, animism, we, uh, we, we use the term animism used to denote the worship of spirit and forces of nature as opposed to a true God. This, this basis pr uh, principle in Western thought is to, is to this day is still widely used to describe the pagan and the heathen faiths. The true God followers force their God concept into heads of other uh, human beings around the globe and that made a man that made man's attitude a dimensional shift in what it was there from the very beginning uh, but uh, if this is the case then again if you look at the contemporary belief systems if we can see the indigenous people of india worshiping sacred groves this is a very common scene in kerala where we could see hundreds of sacred groups are still preserved even after the colonization of British colonization, which came to Kerala in the mid 18th century and which even left Kerala only at uh, 1950s. So even then, even that, even that colonization couldn't destroy major concepts from the indigenous people of Kerala. That's, that is why we could see sacred groups sustaining or even still surviving in the culture of Keralites. Sacred groves uh, are, are nothing but uh, natural vegetation, worship, uh, uh, natural vegetation, plus uh, we can see deities in this, uh, this place where people worship those deities as well. And uh, there is another uh, another temple which I can uh, show is Shabirimala. Shabirimala is one of the famous temple uh, which is in the uh, district of Kerala. This temple actually protects 18 hills around the, tem around the temple. Around the temple there are 18 hills. This is called as uh, Pungavanam. Padrantha Pungavanam it seems in Malayalam. 
uh, all those mountains are uh, protected why because almost all the for rituals and all the ingredients they take from all these mountains so it is it became a part and parcel of uh, the indigenous people's life to protect that um, that particular mountains around around sabarimala but if you go 100 kilometers every uh, away from sabarimala you could see another hill station called mona that is actually a tourist attract uh, a tourist attraction nowadays this was an area where the britishers came in the mid 18th century and they destroyed entire forest across their area and they started planting trees trees as you all may know that this is not something which is helping the nature it is actually a destruction to the nature and if you could see the last two uh, ecology last two floods which happened in kerala this area was mostly affected this area was the people the inhabitants of this particular area was badly affected but sabarimala 100 kilometers away from this area was widely protected so what we could see is like the, the western philosophy idea to worship only one god and um, just wiping out other indigenous cultures have really harmed harmed our our ecology and um, this i am remembered of a thesis written by line right in in nature where he says dogmatic religion in absolute contrast to the ancient paganism and eastern religion not only established a dualism of man and nature but also <coughs> insisted that it is god's will that man exploit nature for his proper ends so this attitude is something which we need to we need to look upon earlier in the slide i should have shown the picture of pan the god which was an agricultural god among the pagans what this dogmatic religions did was they destroyed the pan concept and even they extended it they just uh, globalized pan as a symbol of devil as a symbol of devil in a sense pan is not nowadays worshiped the concept is wiped out but that image is there in common man's mind as devil so what we face right now is not just uh, the nature issues or all the issues by environment is not just a man made issue it is a spiritual crisis where we can solve we can find out our solution from our <coughs> cultural roots our conclusion of this study is that it is necessary to understand the western culture western philosophy and its history to identify the root cause of nature destruction our ecological trouble are so largely a spiritual crisis so the solution must also be spiritual in a sense going back to our roots is what the uh, what the solution which we through this study will offer humanity needs humanity needs those who see oneness in everyone uh, uh, godless godness in every living and non living creature of this planet then only the we will be able to solve the problem related with nature uh, i learned by saying that a nature a garden of roses might be beautiful but it should not be at the falling of an enchanting enchanting forest thank you thank you Okay, hey, Suraji. I think uh, the paper has come to a conclusion. Uh, 
if there are any questions we can take up a few questions for this paper uh are there questions then uh, how can we bring back the relevance of mother nature into hindu mind we need a simultaneously pro hindu pro green movement politically for strike act is harmful okay this I don't know to whom this question is addressed, uh, but there is a question: How can we bring back reverence for Mother Nature into Hindu mind? Uh, we need a simultaneously pro-Hindu, pro-green movement politically. Forest Rights Act is harmful, uh, and uh, that that is the question. Probably it's a very general question: uh, How can we bring pro green pro hindu uh, pro green movement suraj rajendran ji you do you want to answer the question or do we pass you have to unmute yourself suraj ji you are muted ah okay ah now yeah please Yeah. Uh, Nagra ji, um, what we would suggest through our study is like uh, we should bring back all the indigenous concepts, uh, and we should promote all those things. Uh, especially in the Western Europe, we are seeing a revival of paganism. Likewise, we should promote uh, our sacred root guru concepts across the globe, and we should uh, try to bring back man's attention towards the nature revering attitude of Hinduism. and even in the pagans and other other indigenous people i mean that is what my suggestion would be there is one more question do you think there is a concerted effort to abrahamize hinduism and divorce it from its uh, pagan roots this is from rohan ji Uh, that attempt is already there from the very beginning if you look at the colon uh, uh, the british colonial uh, colonizing time that colonization itself was a religious thing which have attempted to lure away our people and pollute their minds with western thoughts uh, so yes we should find a way to control that we should find a way to educate our people about our belief systems and our concept towards nature there is one from radhakrishna ji he is uh, saying suraj rajendran ji you are from kerala kerala being in the grip of communist regime and two large abrahamic faiths uh, is it possible there to revive an environmental crisis when uh, all these movements uh, communist uh, abrahamic faiths all are anti environmental and uh, they, they are uh, they are the responsible aspects of environmental crisis how about kerala how about kerala in the sense uh, without blaming anyone uh, what i would like to say is like even kerala that is what even in our presentation we said even after colonization for more than 100 years we could able to preserve our our groups even if you come to kerala you will be able to see that all the temple um, temples are preserved i'm not saying they totally preserved but we have we have we we would have, we have actually able to preserve majority of our temples 
and even the concept of nature reverence is still there in Kerala that you could see from our our sacred book grows across Kerala and all other things that we need. Yeah, I think uh, we have taken already three questions. Uh, so probably we can now move on to Chitra Madhavanji. 